ask for forgiveness, not for permission, the fella said. And I'd never heard the saying before. Welcome to Connected Communication, a podcast exploring the intriguing interplay between language, culture and the brain through the lens of self-awareness. I'm your host, Christine. I couldn't believe I'd never heard it. And it wasn't too long ago either. I was standing at Salterstown Pier, the place I go swimming in Ireland when I'm home, overlooking the Irish Sea, overlooked by the Cooley Mountains across the bay, and they get snow-capped in wintertime. It's, to me, one of the most beautiful places in the world I've ever swum. The sun sets right across the water. You swim out towards it when you land in the evening time, and then you swim back in with the sun setting on you. Stunning. One day I land and there's a sauna sitting on a trailer right beside the, the entry to the port. Now what the feck is going on here? Any of you who are listening now, feck is not a curse word in Ireland, just in case you're in a different country in the world. It's akin to saying sugar. So don't be worrying about me saying feck. And I thought, what is going on here? Why is there a sauna sitting looking out at the water? And I found the lad who had it and said to him, you know, what's the crack with this doing here? What's this doing here? So he told me, well, he had an idea. And I got this on and I brought it up and I put it down and it's doing well so far. It's very popular. So that's a brilliant idea. So I was asking him a wee bit about how he got it organised and everything. And the response that he came out with at one point was, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. So I won't go into any more detail about the conversation that we had, just for safety's sake. But suffice it to say that he taught me a lesson that day. I had to be very careful sometimes, making sure that I do things in the right way and in the right way as, as in the right way that I understand is the right way, as best I possibly can. It was really interesting to me him saying this, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Because a few years beforehand, I'd done my neurolanguage coaching training. And in neurolanguage coach training, we learn about the importance of permission. You always get permission from the client, permission from the student, permission from the learner to do this, that and the other, to keep the brain in the towards state. And I got into this place where I was feeling like I had to do everything with permission. I didn't want to put anybody into a threat state by doing something that might hurt them or upset them or, or anything like that. So I was asking permission for everything all over the place. And in all fairness, right, I, I fully stand by my training by the work that I do and I understand the concept of permission in a learning environment and checking that it's okay to ask certain things but in truth the reality is that we can't ask for permission all the time because if we ask for permission about everything all the time we may never do anything we may hold ourselves back too much from speaking or from acting or from engaging in certain behaviours that will help propel us forwards because we're so afraid of upsetting another person and that's dangerous particularly for a woman. And the reason I'm talking about this and opening with this today is because I was thinking about what to do for the podcast this week. And I have a pretty heavy week this week. I, I had a big workshop on with the technology company for International Mother Language Day, which was amazing. Oh my goodness, I just loved it. And, you know, before I would have said to you I preferred being in front of people because it's different. The energy in the room is different. But this one, they called in from all over the world and it ran, I mean, not exactly like I was in the room with people. There'd obviously be a bit of a difference in being able to read 
emotions and behaviours, but it was one of the most engaging groups I've ever had, particularly online. And it was just fantastic. It really showed the extent the company goes to, to encourage people to engage and connect, because so many of them got involved. It was really fantastic. So if anyone's listened to this who was there at that, do again touch me on social media, connect, talk to me. And thanks for being there. It was a real pleasure to, to, real pleasure to host, I have to say. So I did that. And I also have a double x-ray this week and dental surgery. And I thought, I need to take Friday off because I'm not sure how I'm going to be feeling after it. So I can't do a huge amount in terms of research, editing, recording for the podcast because I have to be mindful of myself and my time and my energy. What will I do? thought I'll have a wee look for things that I've done in the past and see if I can share something. Lately, the theme and concept of listening and different sexes and how we listen has been coming up and threading into conversations I've been having. So if you know anything about me or you've been listening to any of my content before, you'll know that when something starts showing up in my life and coming up in conversations or showing itself in articles on my feeds, I think, oh, there's a message here. You need to pay attention to this. So I went back and I had a look at some lives that I did on LinkedIn back in 2022. And I did a series on how we listen, how we listen across sexes, the impact of suppressing ourselves when we speak, What happens when we go into a spiral of suppression, as I call it? Some of the neuroscience related to what happens when we suppress ourselves or suppress our our emotions. Very interesting research, actually, about repression and time perception. And the impact of suppression and repression on our impulses and our capacity to veto and manage our impulses. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to have a wee look at that and listen and see. So I had a wee look at it and I had a wee listen to it. And other than the fact that I recorded it live in a room without a microphone, a special microphone like the one I have now and the new one that I'm going to get in a few weeks. I'm so excited. It's a pretty good episode, I think. The message that I share about suppression, the impact of suppression, repressing our emotions, holding ourselves back when we have something to say, that we feel is important to say without the intention of causing harm, is the same. And so I thought, okay, I want to be kind to myself. I'm going to be kind to my listeners. And I'm going to share this live that I did. Now, I've edited it as much as possible. Because it was recorded on a different microphone and in a room, the voice is going to sound a bit different to the voice that I'm recording with now. Well, not the voice, but the, the recording itself. And there might still be some clicks of the mouse in the background, though I have painstakingly gone through it to remove as many as I possibly can. But I hope you enjoy it. Have a listen to the part about the spiral of suppression, what can happen to us when we do suppress our emotions, why it's important for us to be aware of it, the question that I get asked about stopping ourselves and holding ourselves back, and the experience and thoughts that I share from my perspective and my experience about how we can overcome holding ourselves back. It's not too long a one, as always. Remember that you can support the podcast by going to the link in the show notes. Welcome to some of the people who've joined recently. I've had a couple of new members join. Thank you for joining and thank you for supporting. It's great to have you there. I really appreciate it. 
there's a lot of content for you to work through and I'm going to put up the video recording of this live that I did so you can see my facial expressions when I'm giving it as well. So that'll be in there soon. Right, let's go into it. So enjoy it and I'll see you next week. Some games have lasted the test of time, like hurling which is over 3,000 years old and can be dated back to 1272 BC. Hurling is an Irish game. It's one of the fastest field sports in the world. I think after uh, hockey, it's actually the fastest sport in the world, ice hockey. And it's still around, been around for over 3,000 years. Others, like football, have changed and evolved over time. So one of the key changes that I know I've heard my granddad talk about recently is the sideline involvement of the, the referees or with the referee. In the past, you just had the referee. Nowadays, there's cameras and people coming in and giving opinions and ideas on what happened. So games are meant to change. The rules of things are meant to change. But it takes hard work, dedication and an open mindset to change. And sometimes big balls, a big mouth, but it's possible. Today, I'm going to talk about a game I believe needs to be changed. That is how we listen to the opposite sex in the workplace. I hear a lot of women who say they have to suppress their emotions when communicating at work. I've heard from women from right up the top of the ladder, right down. And the game that's been played is that women have to change who they are, what they are, and how they communicate in the workplace so that men will listen to them, so that they'll be heard. The game that I think we could change here is that men start changing how they listen. Now, I don't want to blanket this. There is the danger of a single story, if any of you have seen that TED Talk, one perspective. So I'm talking about my experience here, what I've experienced from talking to people. I know that opinions will be different. But as I say, I've heard so many women say, if I don't change how I communicate and change my tone of voice and the way that I use my emotions, I get ignored. I don't get promoted. So in other words, men are hearing a nagging wife and possibly sitting there thinking, oh, whatever, she'll be gone soon. I don't need to listen to this. Are just seeing a bundle of emotions standing in front of them. Granted, a woman coming in screaming and shouting that everything is terrible and wrong is not going to be heard anywhere. And we do have to work on and balance how we communicate and what we say and how we say it. But women are emotional. Our emotions are different. And emotions generally relate to passion. So if we have emotion, don't we also have passion for what we're doing? If we have to push down that passion and suppress that emotion, we're suppressing the human that's inside of us. And there's a guy called Hirschfields, who my coach talks about, but whom I've also read about in a couple of books and, and papers that I've been reading over the past number of months. And he did some research on, and still does, I believe, past, future, present selves. And in one of the papers that I was reading from him, he quotes research that was done in 2003. I'm going to try and pronounce this if I get it right, if I get it wrong. 
somebody correct me in a voice message, please. But I think it's Vos, V-O-H-S, maybe Vos and Schmeichel. I, I'm pretty sure I've got Schmeichel right because Schmeichel was a football player. <laughs> and we used to have a guy who lived in my hometown called Schmick because he looked like him. So I'm pretty sure Schmeichel is right. In 2003, they did research, which found that suppressing our emotions and what we really want to say or feel leads to lower levels of self-regulation to different perceptions of time. Rather than go into all the detail of the research, all I'll say is that they studied people or they got people to watch a movie. One portion of the people had to watch the movie and downplay their emotional reaction to the movie. The other portion of people could watch the movie and react naturally as they would normally. And what they found was that the people who had to repress their emotions during the movie felt like the movie took longer. And then later, they were more impulsive. They found it more difficult to regulate their behaviors. What's this got to do with emotion and emotional repression in the workplace? Well, if you think about the fact that repressing the emotions means less self-regulation and somebody needs to be productive in the workplace and make a couple of decisions very, very quickly about what task to do next and how much time to spend on the task, if there's been emotional repression before, what happens or what potentially can happen is that we lead into a spiral, a suppression, then discontent, then a lack of focus, then an explosion because of the discontent, then guilt at having exploded, self-questioning and more suppression. So it becomes a vicious cycle of behavior that isn't productive for the organization or for the humans in the organization. And nowadays, especially post-COVID, we understand better the importance of emotions and the human being in the workplace. And thankfully, many companies have started to care about the fact that they have humans at the front line of their operations and not just money and productivity. And so conversations like vulnerability and honesty and authenticity and flexibility and openness are being had. So when we think about listening to the opposite sex in the organization, the question for me is, how do you hear them? I posted earlier on a video of myself reflecting about this. And what I said was that sometimes when I hear men, and it's actually not just hearing in hindsight, sometimes even when they contact me by direct message, there is a sense that they are trying to communicate that they have something that they can help me with, even if I haven't asked for help. So in other words, I know something better than you, or I know more than you, or you're just a little woman who needs a little bit of help. But that's my perception on looking at how that message is coming in. Where is my perception coming from? What's coming from my experiences? Throughout COVID, we've had a lot of talk about the brain and the little amygdala, which I always think about like um, a chicken bone. I don't know why, because of the pictures that I've seen of it. It reminds me of it. And it sits there in the brain nesting and it, it starts to ring like an alarm clock bell when we go into panic, when we go into survival mode. Because I've had experiences of narcissistic managers, narcissistic partners who have tried to push me down, belittle me, 
who get offended by things that I say. I see a comment here that I'll, I'll relate back to now in a sec, who may have got offended because of their emotions about things that I have said. I can go into survival mode if I'm not aware of what's happening in my brain and immediately react to the person's voice that I'm listening to, to the message that I'm reading, to the email that I receive. And I have a choice then. What do I do? Do I immediately type the email and press the send button, setting off a time bomb ready to explode as soon as it's opened? Do I lift the phone straight away and start shouting and screaming down the line at the person who sent me the message? Do I start screaming back if I'm already on the phone? I can do this. And then what happens is that we move into the trigger for the person that I'm communicating with. If it's a man, the trigger is usually a parent, a wife, maybe a sibling, a child. And all they hear back is screaming at them and nagging, but they're not really in the workplace anymore. Now they're at home or they're in a supermarket or they're in a restaurant where they've had an argument. They're on the street. And so what we've got is a family situation where we're both triggering each other and there's nothing happening with the business. And the actual topic in conversation is not being talked about anymore. So what can we do about it? Well, we know that when we go into survival mode, the connection between our analytical front part of our brain and the back lower part of the brain that's more emotional in the trigger has been disconnected. So we've got a screen gone up. If you imagine being in the back of a taxi or a limo and bye-bye driver, we've shut the driver down and silenced them. Cortisol levels have shot up. So we can't think rationally. It's the same with public speaking, for example, when fear and panic hit in. We breathe. That is the first thing that we can do. Take a deep breath. Actually let the breath come in. Feel it. Repeat it two or three times. And once we do that, we actually physically drop the cortisol levels in our brain. And so we drop that screen. The driver is allowed back into the car and back into the conversation. And then when that has happened, we can start to ask ourselves what's going on. What's happening in my brain right now? Where is this emotion coming from? Who am I actually hearing? What is the intent behind this person's emotion? What do I need to do now to respond to this situation in a way that is beneficial for the business and take emotion out of it? So what I'm saying here is that we need to take time for pause to allow the other person to say what they need to say, hear the message behind what they're saying and deal with the problem for the business first. After that, when everything is calmed down, the manner in which the emotion was expressed or the problem was expressed can be dealt with separately as a separate conversation. Sometimes it might need vulnerability. Look, when you come into my office screaming like that, honestly, I feel like I'm at home. And maybe, maybe not quite as much of a reveal about your personal situation in the house necessarily with your, your wife or your husband or whatever. But being open and vulnerable and saying, look, you trigger something in me when you come in shouting at me like that in the workplace. What can we do together to make a change? We'll open up a whole new conversation between you and this person. 
potentially build a better relationship and break down and deal with the problem. So a moment of pause, moment of deep breath, and then ask yourself the questions to move forwards and move on. And this is the reason why I start with pause and breathing when I work with clients, and why I offer audios on pause to people who don't necessarily reflect on it most of the time. If it's something that you know you're interested in and you want to look at it from a different perspective, get in touch with me and let's have a chat about the power of pause. And just before I finish, I know it's 15 with Christine and now it's 16. It still rhymes. I get away with 16 and 17 because they rhyme as well. I have a comment here. I can relate to this. Sometimes I get scared. What if uh, a guy gets offended at what I said? So you don't do it. I learned about this through many different sources, but the key one that comes to me in terms of offending other people, one is that if my intention is not to offend then I'm going to say it or do it anyway with the mindfulness of the other person. And then the second thing is that there will always be someone who gets offended, who doesn't like it, who loves it, and who doesn't care. And so I mentioned this podcast before. It's a guy called Jim Fortin who does a podcast. Episode seven, I'm pretty sure, six or seven of his podcast. I highly recommend it. He talks about the fear of judgment. I've listened to it about 20 times. And that's what he says. There will always be someone who loves it. There'll always be someone who hates it. And there'll always be someone who's indifferent, who doesn't care. What I would say to you is, if you are stopping yourself from saying or doing something because you're worried about how somebody else will respond, ask yourself, how much control do you have over their response? What is the intention behind what you want to say? And if the intention is not to harm or hurt, but you believe is for the benefit and can bring good, which is worse, suppressing it in yourself or saying it? So I hope that helps to the person who commented. If I've given you food for thought, whether you're watching it now or you're watching it at a later time, if I've annoyed you or... If I've provoked something, any other type, kind of type of emotion in you, and more especially if I've provoked memories of an experience and you'd like to chat about it, please do comment, share this with your networks or get in touch with me. I love to talk about this kind of thing. And I really do believe that we need to make a change in the workplace globally to how we listen to each other and our recognition and awareness of our triggers when we communicate.